0: Do you enjoy our podcasts? Help us to be able to continue creating quality content by visiting our merch store at store.another12.org. You'll find some great merch there, and the best part about it is that a portion of every purchase goes to support the work that we do. Welcome to Drippings from the Honeycomb, the official podcast of Another Twelve Ministries. We are so glad that you have decided to join us as we enjoy the sweetness of God's word one verse at a time. Hello and welcome to episode 5 of our journey through the book of 1 Peter. When I was a senior in high school, I had an amazing opportunity to go to Turkey and I was part of a group that took a sailboat journey that followed part of the Apostle Paul's missionary journeys, one of his missionary journeys. And during that time, we stopped at this abandoned island that was full of runes that dated all the way back to when the Apostle Paul took the gospel to this part of the world. This island was right on the border between Turkey and Greece, and it's beautiful And the island is filled with these runes that indicate this ancient civilization that once lived there. And you can see the influence of Rome even in this place because this fell under the Roman Empire at one point in time. And as we walked through this island and as we saw the dwellings that were cut into the cliff and we walked around and saw where the old town square was, we happened upon this incredibly well-preserved arena, about a 10,000 seat auditorium that was cut into the face of this mountain that was on the island looking out over the sea and it was so beautiful it was perfectly preserved and you could go up into it and sit and the acoustics were amazing The sound would travel right up from where the stage area was to the very top row you could hear a whisper from the very top of this auditorium by someone all the way down on the stage and it was an awe-inspiring experience. And while we don't know if Paul actually spoke in this particular auditorium, it is possible that he made a stop there. And so we were just overwhelmed with the history of this place, overwhelmed by the fact that maybe one of the great fathers of the faith, one of the greatest apostles, could have potentially given the gospel from this very stage. And we stayed there and we prayed and we sung hymns together and we worshiped God together in that place. And it was really A foundational experience in my life. But the reason I talk about that is not so much the experience that we had there, the experience that had such an impact on my life. The reason I talk about it is because the thing that was most stark about this place, the thing that stood out to us the most, is that it was completely and totally abandoned. Here were these amazing ancient structures, they were beautiful, they were soundly built. You could probably have renovated some of these places and used them today, but no one has. The people are gone, the place is empty, and now it is just a relic that reminds us of the past. But this auditorium certainly stood longer than most modern structures would stand. Most modern day sports stadiums would not last 2,000 plus years and look like they are in near-perfect condition. Certainly, the foundation that this auditorium was built on was incredible. It was built to last, as we would say. And the builders had done an excellent job. They had designed it well. But of course, we know the story of the world as time moved on, technology advanced, and as amazing as this structure was, it was left to fall into ruin because there simply wasn't a need for it anymore. The structure couldn't stay current. No matter how good its foundation was, it couldn't stay current. The point here, as you probably can tell, is that the best that man can do, the best that man can make, is finite. Man can never build anything that is eternal. Man can never build anything that lasts forever. Everything that man builds, no matter how incredible, no matter how impressive, no matter how well done, will come to an end. And that little illustration leads the way into the scripture that we're going to look at in this episode. And we find that in 1 Peter 1 24 through 25, which says, for all flesh is like grass and all its glory, like the flower of grass, the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you in order to last forever. Whatever is being built must have an eternal foundation. Here on Earth, no matter what we build, the foundation is never eternal. Whether you're talking about elements or earthquakes, landslides, volcanoes, it doesn't matter. Nothing on Earth is permanent. Nothing on Earth will last forever because the Earth itself will not last forever. We know from scripture that God is going to ultimately destroy this earth and create a new one or recreate this one. But everything here on earth, because of the curse of sin, will ultimately fade and fail. So in order to have something that truly lasts forever, that is truly eternal, it has to be built on a foundation that is eternal. And in 1 Peter, the Apostle Peter is quoting a verse here from the Old Testament. In fact, he's quoting from the great prophet of Israel, Isaiah, from chapter 40, starting in verse 6, where Isaiah writes, A voice says, Cry, and I said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all of its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. See, what Isaiah was saying there is, what can I say that will last? Nothing. Everything that I say will ultimately fail, but God's words will last forever. God's words endure forever. The people of Israel, they'll fail. They'll make mistakes. They will be judged by God, and the nation will be broken apart, and they will be taken away from this land. But. The word of God is what we can hope in. Now, don't forget, Isaiah prophesied about God coming back to redeem Israel. He prophesied extensively about the Messiah. So what he's telling the people of Israel here, and he's writing down for them for when they come to their senses after being taken into captivity and taken off their land, is that, listen, everything that we build is subject to crumble and failure and destruction. But the word of God will stand forever. So all of these prophecies that God has given to this nation, every single one of them will come true. Now, why would Peter quote this verse in his gospel? Why would he say it to the church, especially to a church that is being persecuted? Well, if you think about it, if the church is under heavy persecution, there is definitely going to be a certain sense of We are never going to make it. The powers of darkness will win. The governments that are oppressing us will win. They will stamp out the church. And the church will be ended because the persecution will become so intense and they will kill so many of us that either people will turn their back on Jesus and run away from Christianity, from the church, or they'll just be killed off and we just won't have any more Christians to populate the church. But Peter wants to remind the believers that the church is founded on the word of God, which is why he adds the post-text to this quote, this word is the good news that was preached to you. See, when Isaiah said this, he was talking about the prophecies of hope that God would send a Messiah to come for his people. Remember that while Isaiah was prophesying this stuff, the people didn't like him. He wasn't popular. The people hated him, actually, because he prophesied a lot of doom and destruction on Israel. But Isaiah understood that he was writing these prophecies down that God was giving him for a future time, for people who would be faithful, who would come back and worship the Lord later. And he was writing them also for a body of believers that were going to be captured by the Messiah, that were going to be brought into this family of God by the work of Jesus Christ. And so Peter takes this verse and says, hey, listen, look, yes, this was written to the nation of Israel by Isaiah. Sure, of course, this was the promises that God made to the people of Israel that he would not forget them, that even though he was judging them for their sin, he was going to come back and redeem them. These verses also apply to the church because The church is what Jesus is going to come back for. The church, including Jews and Gentiles, slave and free men and women. This is everybody that is going to be included in the family of God. The ones that have called out to Jesus as their savior and have turned their life, rejecting sin, asking God to fill them with his Holy Spirit so that they would have the power to live obediently. This is who Isaiah is writing to. And he's saying that the word of the Lord will last forever. So all of the promises, they all apply and build this foundation that the church stands on. The words of Jesus saying, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. All of this, the gospel, it forms the foundation of the church that is eternal. And because the church's foundation is eternal, the church is eternal. So how do we apply that? to our churches today right here where we live in the towns where we live and work and go to church how does that apply well the foundation of the church is the word of God in other words if a church builds itself on anything other than the word of God it will fail it is not the true church See, the church of Jesus will be preserved. The the worldwide church of Jesus will be preserved because God will always call servants of his who are humble, who are filled with love for their Savior, to hold firm to his word. So there will always be a group of believers in the world, churches all over the world, who love God, who are committed to his purposes, and who build their churches on the foundations of Scripture. However, there will also be and are, and we see this all through our modern culture, churches, and I say that in quotes, churches, that build themselves on something other than the word of God. Now, strictly speaking, these are not churches in the definition of God's church. God's church is committed to the word of God. They are in love with the Savior. They are living lives through the power of the Holy Spirit in obedience, in anticipation of their Messiah returning. But a group of people or an organization that calls itself a church but is not grounded on the word of God is nothing more than a creation of man that will ultimately fall into wreck and ruin, just like the ruins on that island that we visited in Turkey. See, because the foundation is not eternal. Nothing other than the word of God, the kingdom of God, and the person of God are eternal. Everything else will pass away, even the heavens. The scriptures tell us that the heavens will be rolled up and changed like an old dirty garment. Now that's not to say that in heaven there's bad things and there's sin and there's evil. That's not what I mean. What the scripture means is that even the dwelling place of God can be reshaped and remade because the only thing that is truly eternal is God himself, And his word. And anything not founded on those two things will fall. That is why the failure of the Western Church right now to stay strong in the face of opposition is so keenly noticed. Because much of the Western Church has founded itself on things that may be good good ideas, good writings, good budget management good presentation, good music, and the goods could just go on and on and on forever. But at the core of it, what they have failed to do is stay grounded in the word of God. They have begun to drift to allow the pressure of culture to sway them this way and that, and they have left the only foundation that can keep them until Jesus returns. And that is precisely why Peter wrote this Old Testament verse here in his letter to these churches. Because he's saying, look, the pressure of society is all over you. There is sin surrounding you in the ancient society. There is pressure to worship the emperor. Pressure to worship foreign gods. Pressure to avoid persecution by simply... Giving in and performing a ceremony that says, well, yes, Caesar's God, but, you know, doing it physically and not saying it in your heart and kind of trying to get away from being killed. I mean, let's face it, if you're faced with a situation where you can go ahead and do a little ceremony where you burn some incense to Caesar, and that means that you get to keep your house, you get to keep your business, you get to stay out of jail, your family doesn't get executed brutally, the pressure's there, isn't it? Because if you say, no, Caesar's not God, or if you say, I won't partake of this very simple ceremony, even just to skirt under the law, then you're going to face all these things. But the reality is to do anything otherwise would be complete idolatry in the face of Jesus Christ who went to the cross to purchase your salvation. And this is the real world scenario that the Christians that Peter is writing to are under. So Peter's saying, listen, listen. I understand you're being killed for your faith. I understand that you're being pressured. You're losing your homes. You're losing your businesses. You're losing everything to be faithful to Jesus Christ. And it looks like we're losing. But let me encourage you with this. Everything else is going to fail. Everything else is going to go into ruin. That beautiful and immense and massive Roman civilization that you see right now with its theaters and its temples and its meeting places and its markets and its town squares, it's going to be nothing but a pile of ruin and rubble in just a few centuries. But the word of God, including the gospel, will stand forever. Forever. The church of Christ is still here on earth. The empire of Rome is gone. In fact, countless empires have risen and fallen since the day that Jesus walked out of that tomb. Since the day that Jesus ascended up into heaven and told his disciples, I'm coming back someday. But his church is still here. His persecuted church still exists and it still grows and millions of people are added to it every generation. Why? because the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Drippings from the Honeycomb. If you would like to learn more about Another Twelve Ministries and the work that we are doing to train youth ministry leaders to bring the gospel to young people, visit another12.org. If you would like to support our ministry, click on the donate link in the description below.